Okay, so we are, we are continuing through the Bible, and we are on First Chronicles. If you want to get your Bibles out, and we are going to... All right, so First Chronicles, so actually First and Second Chronicles, it is, um, it is a summary of Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. And I've heard it put this way. It is um, uh, Samuel and First and Second Kings. Uh, it has it, they're amazing stories, and it has all the details. It has all the juicy stuff that we like. It's you know sex and betrayal and death and backstabbing. It's 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 a great read. And the way that I've heard it put is that the the Kings is the details that applies to man. It is what we are interested in. It's the the minutia where we can actually pick some kernels out and and that we can learn. Basically, Samuel and and, and Kings, it's what's important to us. It's like, what's going to get our attention? It's like, what can we uh, identify with? What are we going to gravitate towards? That's why we love the story of David and Bathsheba, because it's like a telenovela. It's, it's soap opera. It is, it's the Game of Thrones. It's, it's good. It's good reading. It's tragic, but we like this kind of stuff. But these are the things that are important to us. So we love the, the murder and the adultery. It's just, I don't know, human nature, whatever. So we like, oh, I, mean, I definitely don't want to do that. I don't want to end up like that. I would never do something as heinous as David would do. So Kings is what we are interested in initially. But since Chronicles is, is a, a survey of it all, kind of, I've heard it put this way. It's what God is actually interested in. So there's a lot of details that are left out of Chronicles that are in Kings. Uh, specifically, all of David's family problems. It doesn't have... Uriah and Bathsheba in it. It doesn't tell that story of his adultery and of him murdering one of his best friends. It doesn't, it doesn't tell that story. It tells other stories that are, that are important to God, but it, we wouldn't necessarily gravitate towards it. And it also, in First King, or First Chronicles, deals specifically with the contrast between David and, and Saul, specifically David. Now, we, we, we learned all about David's failings and all of his, you know, his, him being a man of flesh. We learned all about that. But Chronicles is going to emphasize the fact that he is a man after God's own heart and that there is something very special about David that we need to pay attention to that it can be directly applied to our lives. Like, if we study the life of David, it can change our life. It really can because there was something in his heart. Like he, he tended his heart. He started off, as you know, as a little shepherd boy, as the redheaded stepchild, probably quite literally. He was probably even uh, born outside of wedlock or conceived outside of wedlock. And that's why, uh, you know, when. When, he was, when all the, the sons were presented to, to Samuel to see which one could be king, he was left out because he was illegitimate. So he was, he, it's a great story of, of being on the very low to going 
to, to, to being success, the, the local boy made good. We see him succeed in ways that in the ancient world are pretty much unprecedented. He rules all of the Levant, all of, all of, beyond, beyond the borders of what we see as Israel today. He, when he ended, he had control of everything right above Egypt and all the way into Iraq, all the way to the border of, of the Euphrates. He controlled it all. I mean, maybe you're not, okay, uh, maybe you don't want to acquire wealth and land like that. Maybe that's not your motivation. I understand. But he also acquired huge amounts of spiritual territory. Like he gained some territory that is just unprecedented. He moved into almost a New Testament understanding of, 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 of God. Like he, the way that he writes the way that he lives his life, the way that he, he uh, after he sins and he repents, it's almost as if he knows Jesus. And that, that, is, that, that is where we're going to get to today, because I think that he did. But, but here's the contrast that, we need to, that I want to really look at. Because Saul, his predecessor, failed, and David succeeded. And here's the thing. They were both kings. They were both anointed by God. You need to get this into your head. Because when we, read, when we read the story, Saul's the bad guy, right? Usually we see Saul, the first king, as the bad guy. He's the mad king. He was also anointed by God. He was the best man at the time. Like When we were worshiping this morning, did you feel the presence of God? Mm, yeah, you did. Most of you did, I hope. See, when you feel the presence of God, that God, God's in the room. And there's, I, I want to say that, there, yeah, there's different levels. Like you can sense the presence of God. You can have the Holy Spirit indwelt in you when you become a Christian, when you step across the line of faith, when you make Jesus Lord, the Holy Spirit becomes indwelt and you get the counselor, you get your guider, you get... You know, you don't have to pay a copay to, to see your counselor. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you. It's an amazing deal. And then, I don't know, if you're new, you might want to leave the church after I say this. Because this is going to, I'm going to lay bare, like we prayed in unison as a church together. I'm going to lay bare our, uh, basically the core of our theology. We're a charismatic church. We believe that God heals people today. We believe that he pours out his spirit today. And yes, you can have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You can have salvation faith. You can, you can, you can move in, in, in God's will, where you can actually be an instrument of God's will, whether it's praying for the sick and seeing them get better, whatever. But you can also have the same experience that they did on Pentecost, meaning that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you're like, I'd be whispering to your wife, Peggy, this is not the church we want to be going to right now. They're going to be pulling snakes out pretty soon. Um, there's a, there is, there's the baptism in water, public declaration of faith. There's also being the baptized in the spirit, which was done on Pentecost, and it's done today, and it is for the empowerment of the believer, 
and you just might need it in this season. What does it look like? Uh, I've seen it manifested in a number of different ways. I don't, I, I don't want to get into it. But you just can't put God in a box is basically the main idea. You can experience a baptism in the Holy Spirit in a number of different ways. It might just happen once. It could happen more than once. Again, you can't put God in a box. Here's the point. Saul, the, the, bag, the enemy in the Bible, the enemy of David, he was baptized in the Spirit. And this is before Pentecost. Uh, the theologians are kind of having a hard time getting their head wrapped around this because it shouldn't have happened, but it did. So Saul, the mad king, is baptized in the Spirit. Um, what, is it, what did it look like? I don't completely know. He's probably outside of his body in some ecstatic state or something. He is saying words, vocabulary, scripture that he had no comprehension of before. He begins to prophesy, right? He gets, he gets all the toys, yet he failed. We need to pay attention to this, especially for if you come from an old line school of a Pentecostal charismatic, pay attention to this because the boy that was baptized in the spirit, the best man for the job that had God behind him failed miserably. And I want to look at it. He, Saul failed, David succeeded. I want to know why. If you, um, uh, if you are a business owner, if you are an entrepreneur, middle management, if, you're, if you like leadership type of stuff, if you're reading you know, leadership stuff, or like maybe you like to follow, uh, like he's, he's dead now, but like Steve Jobs and you know, all these leader type folks, if you're fascinated with that kind of stuff, you need to pay attention. Because David, he was a genius. Like he's one of the best leaders in the Bible. Now, Moses is my man. Moses is, in my opinion, Moses is my man. He's better than David, but David's special. We need to pay attention to both these guys. So if you want, if you want to be a success, maybe if you want to be a success at your job or if you want to be a success in your home life, if you want to create something, if, you're the, if you have an entrepreneurial spirit and if you want to create something that did not exist, if you want to make a difference on this planet, if you want to have a purpose, you need to pay attention to what David did and the priorities in his heart. All right? So, okay, this, let's look at, uh, all right, now, most of Chronicles is, uh, dare I say, boring. It can be boring. It's because it's, it's, there's a lot of genealogies, and there's a lot of uh, job descriptions, and there's a lot of roles to be played. And there's, you know, this is basically the book's about worship. The, the book is about how to worship properly. It's like the details matter. Like, order is kind of important. And so that's basically what the book is about. But if you are jumping into the Bible, don't start off with Chronicles. You just, I mean, unless you're like into Ancestry.com, and you're just kind of like a nerd like that, right? Which is kind of, I, I, get, I get that way every once in a while. But it will put you to sleep. 
unless you, ch- unless you jump to chapter 10. So let's, let's uh, jump all the way up to 1 Chronicles chapter 10. And this is verse 13. The king has died. King Saul has died. This is, again, this is a survey. This is a, an abbreviated description uh, of kings and Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 10, verse 13. Now Saul died. Saul failed. The anointed man of God, the man that was baptized in the spirit, the prophesied that, that God actually downloaded into him some really cool manifestation. He was, he had, not only did he have the physical abilities to lead and the charisma to lead, he had God on his side to lead. He had everything that he needed to be successful. Yet Saul died, and this is why. This is going to tell you why he failed. Saul died. He failed because One, he was unfaithful. Maybe you want to write that down in your notes. He was unfaithful to the Lord. And when you're unfaithful to the Lord, you're also going to be unfaithful in every area of your life. You will be unfaithful to your friends, to your community, to your church. You mean you're not going to step out on your spouse, but you will in some way, you will be unfaithful to your spouse I'm not saying you're going to have an affair, but the attitude and the, and the condition of your heart, will there will be some underlying unfaithfulness. Uh, you can be unfaithful to your boss. If you're unfaithful to the Lord, you're going to be, un, you, doesn't that make sense? If you're willing to be unfaithful in that category, you're going to be unfaithful everywhere else. So he was unfaithful to the Lord, number one. Number two, he did not keep the word of the Lord. What does that mean? Well, we'll get into that. He did not keep the word of the Lord. And this is the fun part. And he even consulted a medium or a witch or his horoscope or he shook the eight ball or I don't know what else is out there. You name it. He, you know, tarot cards, Ouija boards. It was like God wasn't good enough. He wanted to know the future. Does that, he wanted control of the future. Do you ever feel like that? Especially in this day and age, we just don't feel like we have any security. We don't have any control. Uh, it feels like our, our, our security has been taken away from us, right? That's why we buy guns. It makes us feel safer. This is what's going on. He, he, didn't, he, he had to have control, and, and God, wasn't, God wasn't moving fast enough for him. So he consulted the witch of Endor. Number four, he did not inquire of the Lord. Here we go. So the Lord put him to death, and he turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. So right there, we have a very good, we can build off of this. We have a very good outline of Saul's secret of failure. (laughs) He was unfaithful. His, His actions proved to be unfaithful. 
Even though God's hand was on him and guiding him, he was an unfaithful man. He did not value, number two, he did not value the word of God. Okay, so unfortunately, I don't know, maybe maybe it worked out for them, I don't know. But they did not have the book that we have. They had some scrolls. It hadn't been completed yet. They had the Torah. They had the stone tablets that were concealed in a golden box. Saul didn't, he didn't uh, value it. In fact, he's fighting the bad guys of the area, the Philistines. He's, al- he's always engaged in fighting these bad guys. Um, Saul does not bring the ark out of retirement. I don't know about you, but if I was king, and if I was getting beat up all the time by the Philistines, I would go to the storage container, because that's where they have this thing. That's where they have that, the, the, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, that contains the stone tablets that Moses brought off of, off the, off of the mountain, that symbolizes and represents the word of God, but also, can it, but also the very presence of God rests between the angel wings. So not only do you have uh, some type of a symbolic gesture of, of the scripture, but you also have the presence of God, yet Saul just flippantly does not use the resources that are at hand and the ark stays locked up in storage, and he, doesn't, he never brings it out. When we're reading 2 Samuel, Saul never quotes scripture. Saul never says, thank you, Lord. Interesting, huh? You never see Saul praise. You see him prophesy, but you never see him praise. You never see him have a thankful heart. All right, now David, in contrast to Saul, oh, and then the mediums, of course, um, David, in contrast to Saul, he had this secret to success. God saw him, God said, wow, I need to pay attention to this kid, and here's the thing about David. Did God pick David because David was naturally naturally inclined leader? Or did God make David a leader because David was faithful? I want to say the prior. Like, he's a genius, folks. He is brilliant. He is um, a man that knows the times. He knows that he is in a a transitional season of technology. It is the Iron Age. One of his friends that he murders is Uriah the Hittite. And the Hittites are the ones that invented iron. They're the ones that smelted iron for the first time. And we see David picking out people to bring into his staff that understand innovation and understand technology. And so we see him beginning to work in in some very gifted ways. But we also see 
it, it's more than that. There's, there's a condition of the heart. There's the attitude of, a, of the heart. And so if you, okay, this is a chapter 16, and we're going to see David's secret to success because, and again, it's, it's, it's putting down here in detail. Chapter 16, verse 7. Here we go. First secret to the success, verse 3, give thanks, sorry, verse 8, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. That's, that's huge. I mean, it's very simple, right? Just to be thankful. It, it is, I would say, if you had to walk away today above anything else, this one little simple word is the key to success. David was thankful. And he was thankful, guess what? Always. We sang a song. I think most of the songs that we sang in worship today were written by David. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. So he, understand, he understood that in order for him to move in, not only into God's will and into God's presence, but actually to bring uh, some dimensions of heaven down into earth, to be successful in those areas, that he had to be thankful for what God has given him in all circumstances, in every situation. Okay, so give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Okay, sing to him, sing praises to him. That's the next point. So he was thankful and he praised things that Saul never did. Tell of all of his wonderful acts, glory in his name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face. And here's another important part. Remember. Write that down. Remembered. So David was thankful. He praised. He looked to the Lord. He sought the Lord. And he remembered the wonders he had done. Underline this. He remembered his what? You following along? He remembered his miracles. And the judgments that he pronounced, O descendants of Israel, his servant, O sons of Jacob, his chosen one, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. David remembers what? The covenant. What's that thing called again? It's the Ark of the Covenant. It is the Ark, it's the box of the deal. From the very beginning, we have God. It's a, our relationship with God is a covenantal relationship. Like it's a contract. It's a, it's a deal because we need a deal. <laughs> we need a deal. We have to have it kind of spelled out for us. We have a covenant with Abraham. We have a covenant. Actually, we, we, have, we start off with a covenant with Adam. We have a covenant with Noah. We have the famous covenant with Abraham. And that one is sealed 
by possibly Jesus himself in the form of Melchizedek. Hopefully I have time to get to that. If not, you'll have to come Wednesday night. And then David gets a covenant too. Because David's heart says, your love endures forever. And you know what God's response to David is when, when David sings like that? God's response to David is, I love you forever. Isn't that, isn't that an amazing thought? Because David says, oh God, I, it's just you're amazing. Your love endures forever. And God says, oh, yeah, I know. And in fact, I love you forever. And David's response is, oh, that's sweet. And God says, no, 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 you don't understand. I love you forever. And that love is going to be expressed. You will, this is really bizarre, you will be a king forever. He tells that to David. Your, your descendants will be kings forever. Now, if you read to the end of the book, you know that's not true. Because at the end of Chronicles, they all get hauled away to Babylon. They all get put in slavery. And he's talking about Jesus. Because Jesus is going to come out of this line of David. And he said, I'm going to love you forever through my son, Jesus. And it's an amazing thing. All right, I need to get to some really important stuff. So I'm going to skip the rest of my notes. Okay, so you see Dave. Okay, so David's secret to success is thankfulness. His secret to his success is a, um, a reverence for the word of God, for this covenant, for this deal, for the law, for the Torah, for the scriptures, what have you. Like he respects the scriptures. And where Saul left the ark, the word, even maybe just think about it as the Bible. So, so, uh, Saul had the Bible locked up in storage. David says, I think we should get it out. And David is actually functioning in an area of success. He doesn't necessarily need to have the cool golden box. He says, I think we should get it out. I think it would be kind of a cool thing to get that thing out. You see, David respects the covenant, and he respects the word of God, and he goes and gets it. Now, David was that without fault, right? He makes some huge mistakes, uh, my dad talked about this a couple of weeks ago. So uh, David's uh, murdering schemes and his adulterous behavior does not make it into First Chronicles. But you know what does? It, his mishandling of God's cool gold box of the Ark of the Covenant. And let me read, okay, you, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, my dad talked about how David's like, okay, let's go get the box, let's go get the Ark of the Covenant out of storage, and let's bring it into my new city, Jerusalem. And when we bring it in, you know, it's, God's going to bless us. And um, it's a patience thing. You ever want God to work right now and to answer your prayers immediately, and you want to, like, it's like success is a process, usually. It's going to take some time. But David could not wait. And so he goes and gets the box, yet he doesn't do it the right way. He has his guys go, they, they go and get it. Um, who is supposed to handle the box? The priests, the Levites. And they don't. And no one told Uah, uh, U, U, Z, Z, A, H. No one told Uaz 
that, that you, you shouldn't handle the box. And he touches it, and God smokes him. And you might think, that's just horrible, Josh. I know, it's tough. But the point that needs to be made is you don't treat God's word flippantly. There is a way, there's a way to handle God's word. There, let's see. I have to read you this part because that's great. All right, here we go. This is in 15. You don't necessarily have to turn to it. Chapter 15, uh, verse 13. Okay. It was because the Levites did not bring it up for the first time that the Lord our God, he broke out in anger against us. Okay, here we go. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. So... They're like, let's go get the word of God. But they did not inquire on how to do it in the prescribed way, meaning that there was a right way to handle God's word and that there was a wrong way to handle God's word. How does that apply to us? It, it's very practical because there is a right way to handle God's word. And I don't know, maybe this isn't the best way that, that I should handle my Bible. It's, <laughs> But... I can mistreat God's word. I can, there's some really cool scriptures that I can pull out and I can make you all feel really guilty. Or I can use these scriptures to manipulate you to, to, to do certain things or to get my way. Do you see what I'm saying? So th there's a way, there's a prescribed way to treat God's word. And I'll push it even further. There is a prescribed way to even treat God. And this is David's secret. Like, like he, he messed up, and this is what God wants us to know about. Like, he doesn't care about the sexual sin. We care about sexual sin. But in this case, God does not care about sexual sin. What's the priority? The priority is, how do we treat God? What is the condition of our heart that is more important to God than it is to us? We will focus on the sexual sins or the lying or the cheating or the stealing, but we never take issue with the condition of our hearts. We don't, we don't follow the prescribed way to follow God. Does that make sense? Okay. Oh, I've got to get to this point. I've got a few minutes. Saul never did this. Instead of turning to the Lord and inquiring upon the Lord, who does he, re who does he turn to? He turns to witches and mediums and fortune tellers. He and, and we'll we'll say um, like prophets in, this, in the, the the Notre Dame sense, where I don't necessarily want to know what God's will is. I just want to know the future. I just want control, right? So whenever you, whenever uh, prophets are good. So whenever you seek a prophet, don't necessarily seek one that's going to tell you your fortune. There's a lot of them out there under the Christian banner. And you want, to, you want to inquire upon them because you want control in your life. But that's not the ones you want to listen to. You want to listen to the prophet that is going to speak life into your heart and lead you and guide you in, in, into uh, forming your character, transforming yourself into God's likeness. Now here's this huge, oh, we've got to get this. A huge important point about Saul's um, 
knee-jerk reaction to seek a medium. What do you think the driving motivation of this is? It's going to be tough because we all struggle with it. It's insecurity. It, is, it, it comes from a place of, of, a, of a lack of integrity from the inside. Basically, the really good-looking, strong leader Saul, it's all a facade. On the inside, he's a little insecure boy. And he has to have the approval of man. And he has to have the approval of his dead prophet, Samuel. He doesn't inquire upon the Lord. He he inquires upon those that are around him. Now, I would say that David's secret to success, he had this thankful heart, he praised, he worshiped, he had the ability to strengthen himself in the Lord. And if you get into the Psalms, you know that he was a faithful man, faithful to the Lord. He was faithful to those that he was leading. So if you are an employer, if you are a leader of some sort, you need to see how he treats those that are around him. He treats them like family. But in David's darkest moment, his mighty men of God, his warriors, his, his prophets, they're not there. We, we see this specifically reflected in, in Psalms, and we see it when, he's on, when David is on the run from Saul. He is completely alone. You've got to get this. Because when he, the philosophers and theologians, they call this the dark night of the soul. We all will experience the dark night of the soul, where you feel like you are completely alone, where you feel like you have no community, where you have no support, where you have no uh, support system, no structure, where you can't turn to anybody for help or assistance. In those moments, when you feel completely abandoned by, I don't know, by your family, by your government, by your church, by your friends, there is a split second where you can choose whether you are going to fall into bitterness, apathy, fear, as we see in Saul's life, paranoia, madness, or whether you can choose to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And that's what David does. The spiritual life, you've got to get this. The spiritual life, at times, because we are a body, we are the church of Jesus Christ, we are a body, we are an organism, we are a support system, we do minister to each other, we speak God's words to each other, it's key, it's vital, but in the spiritual life, there are times when you are playing football, when it is a team sport, and then there are other times when you're playing tennis. Does this make sense? In the season that you're in right now, are you playing tennis or are you playing football? 
Uh, that's a guy analogy. I'm sorry. That's the best I can come up with at the moment. But are, are, is, are you in a team spirit or is it mono a mono or woman and I don't know. I'm sorry. But the tennis, what, what, was it Serena that just won again? Yeah. So there we go, ladies. Sorry. What does this tell us about David? David did not have to seek the approval of men for his integrity and his security. He sought God, and Saul didn't do it. That is the secret of his success, in addition to saying, you know what? I made a mistake. I did not follow the prescribed ways of doing things. God has a plan and a purpose, and I need to follow those specific things. I need to follow the law. I need to value the law. I need to be faithful. There's a lot more to it, but I gotta be done. If I could have the band and ushers come to the front. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that, that we will just grasp your word, that we won't treat not only your, script, your scriptures flippantly, we won't treat your spirit flippantly, we won't treat you flippantly. God, whenever we feel uh, maybe that dark night of the soul, God, it won't, we won't take it out on you. We won't act like Saul and blame you for bad things that are happening in our life. But we will say, I trust in the Lord. I am thankful. His love endures forever. So, Father, right now, I pray that you would just move us into that truth. For those of us that are dealing with deep heart issues of integrity, where we're constantly offended when people let us down, God, I pray that you will just reveal the very truth about human nature, that people will let us down, but you are always faithful, and you will never let us down. You will never lead us, leave us, and you will never forsake us, and your plans for us are good. And so, God, I pray right now that you will just give us the patience to line up with your will and how you've designed us. Again, uh, we just pray that you would just speak peace into our nation in this very difficult season. We love you, God. Keep us safe and bless us. In your name, amen.
good. All right, God bless you guys. You got to know that God is with you. Even if you feel alone, he's always there. One of the things that David, whenever David wrote, uh, he was a warlord, he was a king, um, he was a prophet, he was a priest, he was a musician, he was a writer, he was the first Renaissance man. And when he wrote, he wrote about Jesus. And he says, and uh, I forgot which one it is, he says in Psalms, when the people of Israel were being led out of Egypt, that God or Jesus was walking in front of them, leading them. He saw Jesus before anybody else did. And we have the opportunity to have that same experience that David did through worship, thanksgiving, and praise. So whenever you're alone, do what David did. It won't feel natural. It won't feel right. But praise, give thanks, honor God's word. God bless you guys. Have an incredible week.